we're ready. And we're right at the fork. This is Chris Angeles. And uh, today we have the good fortune of having one of Portland's most storied craft bartenders with us, Kevin Ludwig, who has really gone through the ranks from 1993 right through to today at places like Wildwood and Park Kitchen, Clyde Common. He was the owner of Storied Beaker and Flask, and we'll tell us a little bit about that today, uh, to today when he is at Latac, Rodney Muirhead's new sister bar to Padna's Pit over in North Portland. Uh, so Kevin has seen the scene go from uh, a cocktail at a restaurant to where cocktails are king, and we'll talk to him about that today. No. Really? This is a first? I mean, I've done music recording before. Never this. And he's going to turn the, the ringer like off on pro, the phone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good that you thought of it. I rarely, I don't always think of it. <sighs> Thanks. Do you have any idea what we're going to talk about? Oh, I have a few ideas. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start because I read, <clears throat> you know, I'm a Met fan. You're metal. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm at sorry. Right off, right off the bat. <laughs> well, I'm going to say I'm sorry you're a Yankee yeah. fan. So well, I want to just, why don't we start with A-Rod and, and oh. your feelings on A-Rod as a Yankee fan? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. I, I mean, I, I've never been an A-Rod fan um, to begin with. But, uh, no, I, I I think he's really kind of showing his true colors. Uh, he's suing everybody now. You know, I, I guess I, I just was listening to the radio this morning and they were talking about how he's made something like $350 million, you know, as a direct result of, of, you know, the, the players union and mm-hmm. uh, what Marvin Miller did way back when. And now he's suing the players union. So he's, I don't know, you know, he's supposedly going to show up at, uh, at, at spring training. Is he really? That's, that's his plan. That's, that's what so I hear. He and stands to make 61 million after the suspension. The if he comes back next year. Yeah. yeah. If he does. And, and he can do that. So I, so I'm just curious, you're a baseball fan in Portland, mm-hmm. I always feel like there aren't a lot of us, I mean, comparatively speaking, to basketball and soccer. and. Well, that's true. Uh, what I found, though, is, is most of all my baseball fans are, or baseball friends are, are Red Sox fans, which oh, that is, sucks. is uh, well, it's actually quite fun. Um, well, that's true. Because, uh, yeah, when it, you know, we always get to go out and I usually, I usually end up on the winning end, which is kind of nice. Well, in the last not so couple much years, recently. Yeah. Last so, year was rough, and obviously 04. But. So then you, you, you enjoy the banter with the Red Sox fans, mm-hmm. but I'm just kind of like Mets. Mm. You know, when I grew you, up, I do you didn't. Where did you grow up? Uh, well, my family's all from New York, uh, oh, okay. but I was actually born in Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, I moved away from there when I was one, and spent most of my uh, young life overseas. Where overseas? Uh, I moved to Brazil when I was uh, seven years old and spent four years down there and then uh, came back to Pittsburgh for a year and then went moved over to Europe and lived in Belgium. Wow. For, you have quite a story, storied history. Yes. It was a nice way to grow up. Um, yeah. You know, I met a lot of people from around the world and still remain friends with them, which is... Kind so of, yeah. and Pittsburgh and Europe and Brazil and Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. what area? What area of Pittsburgh? My ex-in-law's family is from Bridgeville. Okay, 
Bridgeville's great. And, um, then, and my great grandfather, great great grandfather, McKees Rocks. He was a big, mm-hmm, good, mm-hmm. big guy there in banking. I, think. I was born in uh, Pleasant Hills, but like I said, I moved when I was one. I lived in Upper St. Clair and then came back for my last uh, couple years of high school uh, and lived in Murraysville, which is uh, next to Monroeville. I don't know. So how'd you get from there? What was the what was the trajectory from there to Portland? Uh, get away as fast as I can. Really, it was. <laughs> you know, I went to college in Ohio and then uh, came back and. We're in Ohio. I got a uh, Miami University. Oh, okay. Um, I spent I spent four lost months in Marietta, Ohio. Are you familiar with Marietta? I am. My first real serious girlfriend from lives in Marietta. Is from Marietta. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, I spent a Christmas there once. They didn't allow girls in the dorms there. No. <laughs> in the in the boys' dorms. I, I, that's not why I went to college. <laughs> But uh, so, yeah, I came back to Pittsburgh uh, right after college and um, was planning on leaving um, as fast as I could and uh, ended up taking a job uh, in the coffee business, which I had done in college and um, or in high school and uh, ended up running the place. And then what kind of coffee business was this? Because this is way before Starbucks and the whole coffee thing. Starbucks. Yeah. Starbucks was like this mythical interesting company that they tried to emulate you know it was still small at the time what um, year this was uh 1991 okay um and uh so but this was you know a little more of a they were trying to be you know they were they were deadheads they were you know trying to be that sort of bohemian coffee house kind of thing and uh so they had a, a one place on the south side of Pittsburgh that was very successful and uh and then they opened up one in uh the college area in, in Oakland um and it was inside a movie theater, and it had a you know huge full screen movie theater. And uh, the day before they were set to open, their manager quit, just walked out. And so they, I was the assistant manager at the place on the south side, and they said, "Guess what? You're up." And uh, they had hired something like seventy five college kids to work there, just way over the top. <laughs> and, so, and you were a year out of college. Yes. My first job was <laughs> to uh, tell something like 45 people that they no longer had jobs. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, so, yeah. So I did that for a little while. And um, I was, I don't know, I went out with some friends one night, uh, one of which uh, Mike Shea, who uh, I opened Rum Club with and mm-hmm. still lives here. And he's, they said, uh, guess what? We're moving to Portland. I said, all right, I'm in. And I knew nothing about Portland except for you know Trailblazers. Uh, Clyde, oh, it was a Clyde, Clyde Drexler. I knew I knew of him, and uh, yeah. And it, and you know most of the, a lot of people I've talked to who came from California, mm-hmm. like Gabe Rucker, they came here because just because Portland was cheap compared to where they were. That was not the no. That wasn't the situation you know, coming from Pittsburgh. No, no. I mean, we we rented a house in Pittsburgh that was five bedrooms, three stories, and I think we paid four twenty five. Yeah. Total, uh, so no, it wasn't any cheaper. It was just I, I also I spent time as as before Brazil. I moved to Idaho and I spent my with my family and, and spent five years there. And I always had sort of a love for the mountains, and so I wanted to get out west. Um, was kind of my goal. So, what did your father do that had him bouncing around all over the place? Uh, he was a nuclear engineer, so he uh, he trained in Idaho. Um, and then, uh, essentially the nuclear business kind of died in this country in the late seventies. So we went overseas. Wow. So do you speak, you speak all the languages or they've they've gone? Not anymore. Too many martinis. (laughs) 
Yeah, it was, you know, I, I, I always went to international schools, um, which were taught in English and I learned what I needed to learn to get around. But then once, once you're back in this country, you don't get much of an opportunity. So you started in restaurants here? Well, I mean, I started in restaurants in, in high school. Well, but when you Uh, got to Portland, but Portland, well, I came out here and my goal was actually to continue with the coffee thing. Um, tried to get hired at Starbucks and they wouldn't hire me. And, uh, and then I started working for coffee people. Uh, and I ended up running the store up on, uh, 23rd, the, the small store. I don't, I don't know if you were here then. I don't no, I haven't been. I've only been here since the year after the Red Sox. Uh, no, they had, yeah, they had, <laughs> they had two stores, uh, up on 20 Northwest 23rd. And so I was running that and then, um, I was kind of set to, uh, Take over their their airport thing, and I, you know, I was still so young, had no idea what I was doing, but they kind of had faith in me. And uh, I don't know, some circumstances happened, and Wildwood Restaurant had just opened, and uh, my friend Mike uh, was a busboy there, and so I ended up leaving uh, coffee people and said, Mike, uh, get me a job, and uh, he did, and I was there for about six months, and uh, a bartender got fired, and they moved me into the bar and that was kind of that so wow. so you're one of the huge long list of storied portland people <laughs> who got their start at wildwood oh yes oh yes Very and so, so tell us mm-hmm. can you you're you know you're a bartender you got to have stories mm-hmm. uh what were some of your favorite stories about some of the characters we may know now from uh wildwood boy like mm-hmm. dolich was there right yeah scott was there scott left Pretty early on, um, and he went over to Higgins. But uh, you know, I mean, we had a, we had a great, great, really interesting bar crew there, um, which, in a lot of ways, was kind of responsible for me developing, you know, the skills I, I, I developed in the bar. I, I, I um, we had, I mean, my friend Mike was there, and he was actually a painter, and he was really kind of making a name for himself in town as a painter. He was doing shows, um, had a contract with a gallery. Uh, and then we had, uh, you know, another guy who had this amazing family and, you know, this incredible girl. And, and, uh, and then another, uh, guy, the guy who actually really kind of trained me to be a bartender, he started making these, uh, little toys in his basement. He'd go home at night and, uh, go down in his basement to sort of wind down and, and he'd make these little magnetic toys. Um, these little bendy men. And uh, there was one night uh, uh, we had some people in. There was going to be a big party from, uh, uh, what's the name of that place, up on uh, 25th. Anyhow, this little sort of a store that would sell something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, so we knew they were coming in, so there was a party of like 12 people. And so he took one of these toys and put it on each one of their plates, and uh, they started playing with them. And the guy's like, all right. I want to order 500 of these. And he was making them all by hand. And they were little, like, you know, wire men with magnets on their hands that he would dip mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, a plastic. And uh, and so he went home and he just started working on these things and he made them. Got them all the guy. Like three days later, the guy said, I want to take a thousand more. And so he, this sort of became a thing. And he uh, eventually, yeah, started his toy company and was able to retire and, and, uh, you know, from the bar business at least, and and moved down to Bend and bought a big house. And do you have you know, any of those? Yeah. Do you have one of those toys as a little keepsake? Oh, yeah. I have. I and have. do you have your baseball cards? I, <laughs> my mother threw out my baseball cards. Um, 
I do. I, I have, yeah, I have tons and tons of those little bendy men. Uh, well, actually, when I got married, we actually used them as our wedding gift, like a little, you know, on the table for people. Oh, cool. <laughs> so then Wildwood, at what, do you remember the, uh, the moment when you took the turn and said to yourself, uh, I like this bartender stuff? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so continuing on with that, I, I was sort of the, the odd man out who didn't have an interesting story. Um, my, uh, well, soon to be wife, now ex-wife, uh, her, uh, grandfather, um, was a, a pretty well-known winemaker in Southern California. And, uh, he unfortunately passed away, you know, at the age of like 90. So they were going through his stuff and, uh, they came across these books and, uh, one of which was uh, a book called The Gentleman's Companion uh, by Charles Baker, um, subtitled Around the World with Jigger, Beaker, and Flask. Uh, so it was this incredible book. Hey. Oh, yeah. weird, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was uh, a signed copy by the author, which uh, is going to make my retirement, I think, someday. But uh, it, just, it was an amazing book, um, written not so much as just a list of cocktails, but written more like very Hemingway-esque, just like stories of his travels around and how he came across these drinks. And um, I was just fascinated by it. And uh, that was really kind of the point where I sort of decided, this is something I, you know, I always enjoyed this business and being in it, but I could actually make something of it for myself and make it a, an actual career. So uh, yeah, that was probably 1998. Um, and uh, so in 1999, um, this is when I got married and we ma- actually moved to Ashland, Oregon mm-hmm. with plans to open a restaurant and, uh, that ended up not working out. So we came back, uh, to Portland and that's when I started working at Paley's and things kind of went from there. How was Vitaly to work for? Uh, Vitaly was great. You know, I, I honestly, I spent more time with Kimberly, you know, mm-hmm. in the front of the house. Um, right. and that's, you know, she was, uh, they had, their bar was fairly new at the time. They had expanded and, and put the bar in. And um, she was still learning a lot about liquor and spirits. And, you know, she knows everything about wine, but she was very curious about it. And uh, I would work Sunday nights, and at the time they were kind of slow. Um, so I would experiment. She would allow me to do so. And we'd sort of talk about things. And, I, you know, I, I sort of learned a lot just working behind the scenes there with her and uh and then in 2003 i left there to help scott open park kitchen oh nice mm-hmm. a lot of people were again yes wildwood park mm-hmm. that's one of the cogs in the that's in the, the beautiful thing about portland you know is there is this amazing family tree um and park follow. kitchen had mm-hmm. a lot of note i mean back then that was that was it Yes, you know, it wasn't it it, but it was the new it. Not initially, but yeah, it was. You know, no, I had no idea what it was going to be, um, and I don't think Scott knew what it was going to be. I mean, initially it was going to be more of a breakfast lunch place. Oh, I plan. didn't know that. Yeah, because um, we had uh, uh, Ellen Jackson was our original pastry chef, um, and she, you know, and, is, is incredible. And uh, and the chaps from uh, Pine State Biscuits were yep. there too, right? So they Kevin did was the there. Breakfast, they mm-hmm. did the breakfast thing. Well, he wasn't there initially. Um, we, I mean, we, uh, our first day we were open. We were planning on doing counter service only, treating it more of a, of a you know kind of a walk in get out kind of place, and scrapped that right away. And um, probably the best thing that happened to us was 
we didn't realize that the the Starlight Parade, which I think we opened in maybe end of April, middle of April, and then Starlight Parade happened, and they used that part of North Park Blocks as a, a staging area for mm-hmm. the parade. It's a Saturday night. So at about 7 o'clock, suddenly all those streets are blocked off, and there's no access to the restaurant. So we emptied out. But we had had a, uh, a reservation for um, a local writer was bringing in an editor from Bon Appetit at like 8.30. So we couldn't close because they were coming in. So was, they all came in. They had a big eight top. Only people in the restaurant, you know, they got top of the line service. And then we got a really nice ride up in Bon Appetit. And we were sort of off from there. On your way. Yeah. It was it was a nice uh, bit of fate. There, so that so. was... Uh... 303, because yep. our kitchen just celebrated the 10th anniversary. Yep. 2003. So when did you start having the uh, the thoughts of, for Beaker and Flask, what ended up being Beaker and Flask anyway? Well, I mean, I, I it was a goal of mine. To open a restaurant yeah. or a place called Beaker and Flask. Well, not Beaker and Flask. That, that, that came, the name came about once I decided I was going to do it. Uh, but, you know, going back to when I moved to Ashland, that was uh, a goal of mine was to if I, I figured if I was going to do it, if I was going to make this a career, I was going to do it for myself. And so that was the goal. Um, but uh, I, I took a hiatus from, from Park Kitchen and came back. Um, and then kind of, you know, I just sort of continued to immerse myself in, in cocktail making and learning, you know, all I could. And uh, so it was probably 2006 where I sort of start to hatch the idea. And then I left there in 07 to actually do it. So how has the cocktail, how, uh, from what my perspective, the cocktail scene has evolved drastically oh, in sure. the last five years. Oh, yes. Just the five. I mean, mm-hmm. we go back eight a lot. Yeah. But so, uh, you know, I think probably at one point when you were, you know, the guy at Park Kitchen, there were not a lot of you out there. There, there wasn't. Um, towards the end uh, of my time there, I mean, there was really nobody that I would talk to uh, um, about it so much. Um, there was a, well, I guess towards the end, uh, uh, Kelly Swenson. Um, I don't know. Do you know him? I yeah. know the name. I he don't know he was the opening bartender at 1001. He ran 1001, mm-hmm. ran uh, June. Which was a really cool um, place. Yes. Uh, so he started coming in, um, and we just struck up a conversation, and I was like, oh, there's actually other other people out there really kind of interested in it. And um, so uh, in the time when I was left Park Kitchen and, and opened Beaker, I, you know, had a lot of free time. And uh, we uh, got together with uh, him and, and, and Lance Mayhew and uh, Charlie Hodge from Clyde Common and Jeffrey Morgenthaler and Daniel Shoemaker, David Cheneau, and we started the Oregon Bartenders Guild, mm-hmm. which was sort of designed around that to... Uh, yeah, just gather all you guys gather together. these people together in right. one room, you know, and uh, start talking ideas and um, and so yeah, that that you know, I mean, what that has grown into now is is uh, incredible. Mm-hmm. And and you have a what is it October? Uh, mm-hmm. Cocktail week, Portland. Co- oh yeah, Portland Cocktail Week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing too. That it is. So okay, so you open. Um, you're looking to Beaker and Flask, and you mentioned Rum Club before. Mm-hmm. They're both in the same, same building. building. Do you are you, are you a part owner of Rum Club? Not anymore. I was. No, I'm. 
But did you open those at the same time? Were those uh... no Rum Club uh, came a couple years later. Okay. Um, there was this spot up at the upper end of the building that uh, I had always loved, but it wasn't Didn't available. For, yeah. yeah, and uh, so uh, I don't know if they changed zoning on the building or something. But anyway, my landlords came to me and said, "Hey, this is available." Um, and I didn't, I didn't want another bar to move in there. Um, and my friend Mike, who you know goes back to high school, you know we've been friends since then, and he was looking to move on from his job, and he's been a bartender as well. And um, so yeah, the spot became became available, and so we took it because at the time Beaker was uh, very busy, and uh, we sort of I was looking for that whiskey soda lounge, pock pock connection, you know that kind of thing where. Um, you know, we would have that space for people to, to wait as opposed to standing in the doorway um, and make it a little more comfortable for them. Did you think that, um, did you anticipate that Beaker and Flask was going to take off the way it did? Was it a surprise? Were you like, holy shit, this is... Well, it took two years to get it open, which in that time, I received a lot of press, um, which... You know, in a lot of ways, it was kind of embarrassing because it was taking so long and people were writing about it. And then it kind of just became funny, you know, that uh, just sort of a, a, not really a joke, but it just it was just it was just taking so long that I, I sort of pulled back from the press. But when I first left Park Kitchen, no, I had no idea. I didn't think anything of it. But then by the time we opened, yes, I, I, I knew it was going to be busy. Um, and that was a, that was like the perfect cocktail. It was you. It was Ben. You had a lot oh, going yes. on in oh, that, yes. in that, and the space. And then you had what I thought was pretty cool. There was no name outside. <laughs> well, in hindsight, <laughs> I don't know that that was perhaps the best idea. But it was I mean, cool I, at the time. I mean, you, they could cite it didn't matter. You were packed. Well, right. Well, that was you know it. it you know, I, I the no sign thing was not planned. That was not a something I consciously did. It was uh, essentially I ran out of money. You know, I, I didn't have investors. It was, and and having taking it two years. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to work at Clyde Common. You know, Nate was very kind to me because everybody in the world knew I was going to open a place, so it was very hard to get a job because they knew I'd be leaving at any moment. Mm-hmm. But Nate uh, was was. You know, I'm so thankful for him that he actually let me work there, knowing. Hey, you know, and but in let, this town, that would be kind of common. Like, hey, yeah. Kevin just needs a six month gig, right? But we had, I mean, we had myself there. We had, you know, Benny was working there as a sous chef. You know, and and uh, my bar manager Tim was working there. Like, it was essentially Nate knew that half his staff was going to come over to Beaker when it opened, and but he was, you know, still cool with that, which was great. Um, but so. You know, I had a certain amount of money, and it takes money to live, obviously. And and, uh, and then, you know, we went over budgets and uh, on building the space. So I just didn't have enough money to buy a sign, um, among other things. That's actually and, an interesting story because yeah. I think the, the, the good PR story <laughs> out there is that you just were too cool to have yeah. one. Well, and I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's not the case. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So now, so now. Th- you know, I think toward, you know. Had had we, well, so anyway, you know, we were we were very busy, and so I, we needed other things as well. So I kind of put my money into things like and you know POS and stuff like that, and didn't do the sign. And and then once you know I felt like I 
probably should have done the sign. It was kind of too late uh, at that point. Was it so. a so was Beaker and Flask? Um, was it a slow, painful? And it had to be for you. That was a long time, and it was really it, when Ben left, right? That well, you had a lot invested in Ben. I did, um, and at the same time, though, I went. You know, I went back and looked at you know numbers because yeah, it kind of seemed that way. But you know, we were starting to fall off before he left. Um, I don't know if if he would have done something to change it or what. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know that, that him leaving was 100% the case. Do I you think, think that um, we're in a city where uh, the new is cool and it's really hard to keep it up? Is that is that yeah. what you cite? Because sure. you were really strong there. You were really hot. And mm-hmm. then I don't care who you are, the 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 news stops coming. You know, there are a couple of chefs who've been able to keep it up. Yeah. But it's it's and not the, easy, and the competition is fierce. There's in this town, huge, you know? and there's and only so much disposable income to go around, right? In that price range, right? For a restaurant, um, it's you know some amazing restaurants opened up, you know, <laughs> you know places I definitely want to go eat, you know. So I understand it, and then at the same time, you know, I think what we did originally was somewhat unique, you know, with the cocktails and our cocktail program was so strong that. To pair it with this incredible food, that that was something that was kind of unique. But like you said, you know, there's there's been an incredible expansion of, of cocktails in this town, and and cocktail and programs great food. and Ex- cocktail Patriot, programs in you know. in restaurants, you know, have elevated their game to a level that we perhaps were not as unique anymore. You know, uh, so yeah. uh, I feel like you know that probably had something to do with it as well. You know, our location was not the best either. Um, not really a neighborhoody spot um you know that's and it's it's something you know i see now with with my new gig is is man it seems like 60 percent of the people say yeah i live right around the corner and you know i'm glad you guys are here and like, we never got that you I, didn't you have know, that at beaker and Flask. No, no no i mean there's a couple apartment buildings around there but no it was pretty much you were coming there you know so so uh, did the day that you had to come to the realization that this just wasn't going to happen, can you, I'm sorry to bring that mm-hmm. up, but I mean, that's, that was a big story. I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. love Beaker and Flask and you were a big story and closing it was one of the big closings in the last four or five years that I can remember, one of the saddest. And uh, so I can't imagine it was anything, but you know, when I, when I ran into you a couple of weeks ago uh-huh. and we just, you just mentioned it, you, you were very, um, your first thing you said was it was a great experience. I'm glad I had it. I love oh, what yes. I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. But that day, you couldn't have been thinking that. Well, honestly, I mean, I think, you know, and I would imagine a lot of people who have had businesses that have closed would say the actual closing is not the hard part. It's the leading up to it. It is that slow death, you know, which, you know, we, we, it, it took... It was a long, you know... It's like a divorce, Yeah, right? Yeah, so exactly. Get- yeah, is it... Uh, who is it? I think it was Louis C.K. was talking about marriage. How marriage, a marriage never ends when it's supposed to. You know, it, it's it's usually about a year and a half. You know, of just horrific uh, experience. But and then it ends. Um, but no, it, and then it was like that. It was it was a really tough year and a half of uh, just you know getting by. How can I make it through this day? How can I do it? How can and I it's do frustrating it? And, because you're in a town where you can't 
really advertise per se. Mm -hmm. You can't go out and say, we need customers. This is not a market where you can do that, and probably right. any market. And you have to, you're at the mercy of the market. No, and yeah, you are at the mercy of who's coming in tonight. And I did, actually, I brought in uh, a PR person, and uh, she was great. She did it, you know, did what she was supposed to do, but, it, you know, it just, we didn't see much from it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, but the, the actual night, um, it was just sort of, you know, it kind of exploded and it was boom, just obvious in my head, like, okay, well we have to close for now. And I was, you know, I was down to, two, you know, two cooks in my kitchen and I had one cook who had left town and he had stolen a check from me and written a check and cashed it. And it was just, you know, the worst time in the world for that. And, um, but I still had this restaurant. Um, so I needed to do something. So my thought was to, you know, try and revamp it in some way. And, and then my landlords just weren't, weren't having that. And so about three weeks later, I was just like, well, I guess we're done. Okay. So, so um, well, and uh, honestly, that was, it was kind of a relief. You know, <laughs> I'm sure just like a divorce that yeah. day that mm -hmm. you get the paper signed. Yeah. yeah okay. You mm -hmm. know, we're, we're on. I'm sorry. I know about that. Yeah. I don't, but, uh, but so you, and you've moved on and I wanted to actually take you from, that was kind of a sad story. You just got a puppy. I did. Get correct. A puppy. Are you a dog guy? Oh, huge dog guy. Okay. And so you've had dogs before. And oh, yes. so, but you're in love with your puppy. I know that. Well, I actually have, uh, two, two dogs, um, I got a puppy last year um, because, unfortunately, my previous dog passed away last fall. Mm. Um, and uh, but it turns out, so I was I was looking around online, just seeing what was out there, and uh, found these people who had these dogs that were born on the same day that my dog had passed away, and it was the same mix of breed. And okay, well, so I so I got one of those, and uh, his name is Ringo, and um, and then I had a friend who has an Australian Shepherd, wanted to breed it. So we bred my dog with his dog and we got my dog's daughter uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. So I saw you uh, crowing because I'm a dog dog guy. <laughs> um, and, you know, you, so you're, you have your dog, you got a great gig at Latak. That mm -hmm. is the coolest place. It's going well. Um, uh, I happen to go to attack at Feast Week, the first night mm -hmm. it had even been open. Yep. And uh, it looks even cooler now with the bars been developed mm -hmm. and uh, the food is fantastic. Cocktails are great. And so that's that's got to be enjoyable. I mean, that place has got a good buzz now. You're, you're often at, if you look at your history, mm. Wildwood Park Kitchen, Clyde Common, Paley's Place, you're, you've been at some amazing places, but you've also been at some really good buzzy places. And yeah. you Flask, of course. You know, there's, I mean, there's great chefs in this town, you know, and it's, uh, I think, you know, in so many ways, that's what's helped me to develop as I have is, is being around these people. Um, you know, that was the great thing about working with Scott at Park Kitchen, which really sort of pushed me into, a, a, you know, a next level in terms of my thought processes in, in creating cocktails was, you know, he, he would, you know, honestly critique what I was doing and, and put it in the perspective of, of, uh, of food. And there's, you know, so much more to be done with food than there is to be done. You know, liquor is sort of kind of a narrow thing. So 
being able to expand that into that world was was important for me. So do you think what we're what's going on in Portland, what you do in Portland, is mm-hmm. a little different? Obviously, you can't you can't make a blanket statement, but. Mm-hmm. Bartenders, craft bartenders here are a little more aware of the food and the pairing than they would be elsewhere. I would imagine so. There's, you know, I, th- I think a lot more interaction with chefs in this town. Um, they're maybe a little more accessible. Um, and then there is great product to work with. And, and there is, you know, the, the local distilleries and such. And, and there's a, a great community uh, outside of, of just the Internet, which, you know, the Internet is fantastic for for bartenders and cooks and stuff but to be able to sit across from someone and talk to them um or show up at their bars is uh uh i don't know maybe a little more friendly in this town there's not quite the competition people are more willing to, to share ideas and than perhaps other towns i think they're willing they want to say they're here mm-hmm. they're here with kevin whereas in other towns i keep, might keep it a little quiet i think yeah um so, what are you doing at Latac that excites you now? That uh, obviously you've got the a Tex-Mex. You're probably a little more into tequila than you were yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I've always been, you know, very much into rum and gin, or, or always my two big spirits. And uh, it's been kind of odd. Like my palate is, you know, sort of changes over time. And um, yeah, I've really become. You know, I just I, I've been falling in love with tequila and, and agave, and and also you know the spices too, you know the heat and stuff like that. And I'm I'm trying to do what what I've done at other places and trying to bring that that kitchen aspect out into the bar. At the same time, there's you know there's a bit of a challenge because people are not necessarily expecting to have something different in terms of the drinks, um, and so it's it's. It's been a bit of a challenge, you know. I've had some misses for sure that uh, that just people aren't don't want, you know. <laughs> so it's. Do they it's, tell you? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, or do you, can you just tell because the drink is left? There. No, a lot of people, you know, people aren't shy about telling you. Um, but uh, that's you know that's a learning process for me, and I, and I want them to tell me, and I, I want to know because um, I want, you know, my goal is is to please them, and and. But so. that's kind of here's what I think. Hmm. You're you've been doing this for years. You're hmm. an expert. You're a professional. What does, what business does someone what what how much weight do you put on someone like me saying I don't like this drink? Well, um, I mean, you're the one who ordered it and is drinking it. So well, I know. <laughs> but what if I don't have a very you know? A but that's very that's enough. That's not, and, that's not up to me to decide. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, you know. But I also, guess if you hear that from a number of people on a drink, you know that this yeah. is something. One person. No, no, I no. I mean, no. If I took off every drink that one person told me they didn't like, I yeah. wouldn't have any drinks left. You know. Uh, so uh, no, it, it's it's more of a challenge in figuring out, you know, what what it is people are are wanting for this type of establishment. This is I've always sort of been more into you know more of a fine dining restaurant bartender, and so this is a different experience, um, and it can be challenging in the sense that you know. People are ordering three dollar tacos, but then paying eight dollars for a drink, and that seems that mm-hmm. seems weird to people. You know, why am I paying that much more for my drink than my food? Um, Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. That's what I say. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so you know, I'm tweaking a little bit, and, but at the same time, you know, initially when we first opened, we were selling probably ninety percent just margaritas, um, and now we're seeing that change, and people are 
starting to try some different things and hopefully liking them. And it's got to be, Rodney is one of the nicest men I've ever met. It's no got to be great working with Rodney. Oh, he is. And he just had a little baby. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he's uh, been dealing with that. And uh, yeah. And that's his he, first child, right? It is. So he's going to be a little bit of a changed man, I think. <laughs> if I, if my experience man, I yeah. uh, tells me. <laughs> After that first child, you're a different person. But no, he, he honestly is, well, both he and Elizabeth are two of the nicest people I think I've ever met. And that was uh, when I, you know, I took the summer off and when I decided I would, well, needed to work, uh, I knew his, uh, his place was opening and sent him a message and said, you know, you're the one I want to work for. And we worked it out real quick. And now he's been great. That's awesome. So, um, do you have any? Do you have a your sights set on a, another place of your own sometime? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think, you know, it was something I always wanted to do, and it's something I'm thrilled that I did, um, and it was a great experience. But I think what in the end, what I figured out is that's not really what I want to do, um, and I never would have known had I not done it. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say I wouldn't, don't want to go into business for myself again, but uh, maybe just not in that capacity. Maybe coffee. Maybe you're back into coffee. <laughs> maybe. Coffee has just gone It's crazy through the roof. Uh, yeah, I think that would take me years to catch up on that. Oh, well, you've got, you've mm. got it in your blood. But, um, no, you know, I, I mean, I have, you know, sort of an interest in, in perhaps production of some sort. Um, I've been trying for years to to work crush and and get more involved with the wine, uh, local winemaking, and every year something comes up. And of course, I, I did it again this year and kind of got started with it. And then Latak happened, and I had to sort of abandon it. And there's some again, exciting so. things going on and with wine. Oh, there's in some amazing things too. going on. Yeah, especially you know all the local urban winemaking facilities and and just I think you know the winemakers are really starting to expand just their ideas of, of what can be grown here and what can be made. So where do you think this can all lead? Can Portland handle all, uh, I mean, everything's mm. expanding. As you as we've been talking, the, f- the food scene is expanding, mm-hmm. the artisan scene is expanding. You get cocktails that you never even think of 10 years ago. And coffee, we just mentioned. Yeah. Wine, uh, uh, do, do we just become this Disney, Disney world of food out here? Well, and I think, wine, I think we're always, we're, hopefully we're always going to stay at a very high level, but, but can it sustain? I mean, look. Well, at, look. I, I think I think there's probably going to be turnover, um, constant turnover, um, and you know the the strong will survive, and you know it, it, that's what I would imagine. I mean, I mean, I, I think this the level of, of of quality that people expect and and want to achieve as as producers and owners and such um, is always going to remain high, just. For the region itself, you know. Well, it can't go down. I'm just, I mm-hmm. just get concerned. And by the way, the new new report just came out that United Van Lines, Oregon mm-hmm. has more people moving, moving in here than percentage it, yeah. than anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. So maybe it will. So um, lastly, Latak, someone's coming in. What do they have to? What kind of? What, what do you suggest for a cocktail and food? Well, um, I mean. We're trying. To, we we actually had a period where we where we hadn't really rotated the menu very much when Rodney had uh, his son, and 
But so, you know, he is actually slowly coming back more into the restaurant and uh, we're starting to change things up a little bit. Um, you know, I mean, I, I like to keep it very simple. I mean, it's funny because, you know, this type of food is the type of food I ate when I wasn't working. Now I'm eating it when I am working mm-hmm. and when I'm not working. So I'm pretty much eating this food every day. And, uh, I mean, I stick to things like the carnitas. Um, but, you know, he does like, some great, you know, more entree things, you know, like a chili verde, a pork uh, stew and, and a tortilla soup, uh, like a spicy tortilla soup with chicken and um, cocktails. You know, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to uh, figure out what is working. You know, I'm, I'm starting to play more with, you know, variations of margaritas. Um, I've brought over some beaker ideas to it. Uh, uh, we do a drink called Grounder for Life, which was a big drink at Beaker, which was a, a spiced vodka drink with uh, fresh celery juice. So I've switched it over to tequila and infused, uh, uh, well, actually squeezed uh, habaneros into the celery to spice it up. Um, but it's essentially a margarita. Mm-hmm. Um, we do the carrot margarita, which is, is a big hit with the, with the cumin on top. So, and then a drink that I like that is, is kind of a, a challenging one, sort of falls into that challenging category, is uh, called the Bandolero, which is a spice, or not spice, uh, a smoky drink done with uh, Reposado tequila and um, orange curacao and uh, uh, Laphroaig scotch, which... Oh, that sounds I think, nice. I think it's a great drink. It's 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 probably the one drink that gets sent back the most, though. Oh, well. <laughs> but that's but it's, the... not, it's not going anywhere, though. It'll be there. Well, that's you gotta have. You have to have something that you are passionate uh, yeah, about. Yeah, that's so. The, mm-hmm. As we've we've talked about before on this podcast, when someone comes in and they say, "Kevin, what do I have to have?" Mm-hmm. You have to have something you can point to. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's that. So, let, just because not everybody knows, we can't assume. Latak is Killingsworth and. Uh, 16th. 16th. Right next door to Podnas. Right. Podnas. Yeah, so well, you know, yeah. we can't assume every single day, even though it's packed. <laughs> and we're getting, we're getting a sign, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you learned something. I did learn something. No, actually, Rodney found this incredible vintage sign. Uh, that says, that says bar. Latak? Oh, no, bar. it just says bar. Um, and you're adding the uh, And uh, he's going to mount that on the roof. And uh, So are a yeah. lot of people going to... Coming over to Latak for a cocktail before they're going to Padnas is that and, and is there uh, a lot of overflow? From well, we get that, but um, actually not as much as, as I had imagined it. Um, unfortunately, we are just a bar, so there are no uh, minors allowed, um, and Padnas gets you know gets a lot of families and stuff. Right. Um, just for we, those who don't know, by the way, Padnas is not just any barbecue place. Oh and no, it, it is. The consummate barbecue yes. place here in Portland, Definitely Oregon. Definitely in Portland and, and one of the top in the country. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a really, really special place. So mm-hmm. opening Latak was uh, uh, basically a necessary expansion. To it was, yeah. Creative and expansion. And it well. was, yeah, something Rodney had always wanted to do. He wanted to create, like, you know, a place that he used to go to um, and sort of inspired him to do what he does. And, uh I think he has. You know, we're still we're still getting it going, still working on it, um, and making it just right. But uh, and he's evolved wonderfully. I mean, if you look at the all the original Podnas mm-hmm. and where he is now, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful. Or even back transition. to you know when he did the low the low barbecue at uh, Pizza Shoals way back when. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, that was kind of how he started. That must have I, been pretty cool. So yeah. you could get barbecue or. Well, I think that how they, did that work? 
I want to believe they just did it on Monday nights. Oh, so um, now they're doing the white clam pizza. Yeah, it was, and, and and that's, yeah, I don't know the entire backstory. Of his, oh, I didn't, but, I didn't but know I'm, that. I know that. I remember that. That's how we got started. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Oh, sure. Appreciate it. Um, uh, I think we got everything. Okay. That I don't, unless I missed something that you wanted to talk about. No, I think we got it all. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate oh, sure. it. My pleasure. All right. Well, that was uh, that was interesting. It was good to talk to Kevin. I mean, he um, Beaker and Flask is is a legendary in this town. And sorry, we're sorry it's not around. But it was good Still to hear from him. Still mourning it. Yeah. yeah. Still mourning it. We went to my husband and I went to Rum Club uh, this past weekend, and we. Parked in the parking lot, and there's still no sign. <laughs> I took my I took my oldest son to Beaker and Flask on his 21st birthday. Oh, so that's nice. Um, that was that was a good choice, and I like that place. I actually used the sound, the the ambient sound for Beaker and Flask for my Portland Food Adventures website when I started it. Oh, very cool. That was kind of cool. You know, I, the thing that struck me about his interview was that he kind of, in a way reiterated something that Sarah Hart in one of our earlier podcasts said, which was, it kind of sounds like, you know, the demise of Beaker and Flask also amounted to Kevin realizing that you spend 80% of your time doing the things that make the business run, but it's not necessarily what you love doing. And now he's truly doing what he loves, spending 100% of his time doing what he really loves. And um, I was kind of struck by that as I was listening to you guys talk. Yeah, I think he's happy where he is now, but I also think uh, we're going to hear that Kevin's somewhere in a year or two that isn't isn't Latak, and he may stay there, and that's great. But he I have a have. feeling, based on his history, that's not going to be, he's not going to be there for forever. And he may I, have the entrepreneurial bug. Right. And I don't think he could say right now, this is what I want to do. It just Much like he ran into his problem at Beaker and Flask when everybody knew he was going to open it. And he talks about in the interview, everyone, you know, being lucky enough to be at Clyde Common in a holding pattern for a little while. He'll get swept up in the expectation and think about something else to, to open up. Yeah. But he's, uh, I, I, I've had a couple of his cocktails, and um, you know he he puts a lot behind what he does, and probably just much like a guy like Scott Dolich, whom he worked for mm-hmm. at Park Kitchen, mm-hmm. there. And we didn't talk about it, but there are probably a lot of bartenders out there who've learned uh, under Kevin. Oh yeah. And we didn't talk about that, and I didn't really ask him where he's been going lately either. But uh, we know we can find him at Latak. Yep, and as well as a good drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 